And if you would permit me to also pray and ask the Lord to help me communicate clearly and effectively today. Lord, uh, again, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We come in anticipation that you have something to say to us today from your word. We come knowing the hope that we have in Christ. The peace that is ours because Jesus came to earth to bring peace. Peace with God and the peace of God. We have joy in our hearts because of Christ. Because of the, the salvation that is ours. And so we rejoice. And Lord, we also thank You for the love that was demonstrated to us when You, Father, sent Your Son into this world and gave Him to us and for us. That everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And so today, Lord, as we focus our attention upon light, we ask that You would enlighten our minds and our hearts to the truth of who You are and what that means for us as we move forward, living in light of the light that came to shine into the darkness. Well, thank You. Thank You for the privilege of knowing You. Thank You for the Word that is in our language. And Lord, I ask for Your help to communicate clearly and effectively the truth of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I love the story of the customs officer who recognized as this truck pulled up to his station that there was something suspicious. So he orders the truck driver out and searches the vehicle. He pulls off panels, bumpers, and wheel cases, but finds no scrap of contraband. Whereupon, still suspicious, but at a loss to know where else to search, he waves the driver through. The next week, the same driver arrives, and again, the official searches, and again, finds nothing illicit. Over the years, this scenario happened, week after week after week. The official tried full-body searches, x-rays, sonar, anything he could think of, and each week the same man drives up, but no mysterious cargo ever appears, and each time, reluctantly, he waves him on through. Finally, after all these years, the officer is about to retire, and this driver pulls up once again. He says, I know you're a smuggler. There's no sense in denying it, but darned if I can figure out what it is that you are smuggling. I'm leaving. I'm retiring. I can do you no harm. Won't you please tell me what it is that you've been smuggling? Trucks, he said. <laughs> Sometimes it's the most obvious thing that we don't see. That was true when Jesus came to earth, John tells us that he was in the world, and though he, the world was made through him, the world did not know him. He came to his own, and yet his own did not receive him. He was walking in their midst. They could see him. 
but they couldn't see him for who he is. The same is true in our world today, especially this time of year. The truth is being proclaimed all around us through the Christmas carols that are sung and are, are played on radio stations that have the message of, of Christ and His coming. The Christmas cards that are exchanged that talk about the Savior has been born. Often, people who do not attend church will do so at Christmas. And they will hear about this child who came to save them from their sin. And yet, oftentimes, so many miss the reality of who He is. But it's not just them. We oftentimes miss it as well. Because the familiarity of this message it just passes over. We, we think, well, I've heard this before. Today, as we focus upon light, I want to look at this passage in John 1. John does not give us a birth narrative like Luke and Matthew do. But he gives us a spiritual perspective on the coming of Jesus. And so this morning, would you follow along with me as I read John 1, 1-14. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being by Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came for a witness that he might bear witness of the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came that he might bear witness of the light. There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world. And the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in His name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. In this passage, John gives us a few different images of who Jesus is. One being the Word. Right? The Word was the, in the beginning was the Word. He was with God and He was God. He was in the beginning with God. And then at the end, He comes back to this and talks about the Word becoming flesh and dwelling or tabernacling in our midst. And we could see His glory. And yet, didn't see His glory, if you will. He was full of grace and truth. He uses the imagery of life. In Him was life. He is life. And these are images that John uses to portray Jesus. But the image we want to look at this morning is this 
idea of a light. Throughout John's Gospel, the, the, uh, the contrast between light and darkness is seen. It is a major theme that runs through this Gospel. Darkness refers to the realm of the spiritual evil. The satanic world system set against God and His people. And so Jesus, as the light, comes. And we see three truths about Him as light or about light that is important for us to understand. And the first is the light shines in the darkness. Shines in the darkness. Jesus came as the light to shine into the darkness. Into this world system of thinking that is contrary to God and His Word. And we see this, this phrase in verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So we see the darkness did not comprehend the light. The word that is used here to translate comprehend means to attain, to lay hold of with the mind, to understand, to comprehend. Jesus came, and the darkness did not comprehend Him. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 2 that a natural man, that is a person in their, uh, in their uh, unspiritual state, if you will, in, the, in their natural condition, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him. He cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. In other words, I think what Paul is saying is that in our, in our normal condition, our natural condition, we are born in this sinful condition, we cannot comprehend, understand the things of the Spirit of God. It is something the Spirit has to help us understand. And so in that sense, the darkness could not comprehend the light. But that's probably not what John means when he says that. It's truth. It's taught in other places such as in 1 Corinthians. But probably not what John intended here. Listen to Leon Morris' commentary on this. He says, darkness is not usually conceived of as trying to understand light. To take this meaning is really to understand darkness as equivalent to certain people or perhaps mankind at large. But in this gospel, darkness is not so much men as the evil environment. I'm sorry, it's not darkness is not so much men as the evil environment in which men find themselves. The theme of the perpetual conflict between darkness and light is found throughout it. It is men's condemnation that they love the darkness rather than the light. And that's what we see in John 3. We looked at last week. After we, we, we read those words in John 3.16, Jesus said that men love the darkness rather than the light. He goes on to say, Jesus calls on men to follow Him so that they do not walk in darkness. They are to walk while they have the light, lest darkness overtake or overcome them. Here, uh, I'm sorry, He came a light into the world so that whoever believes on Him may not abide in the darkness. 
Jesus' whole mission was a conflict between the light and the darkness. The verb we are discussing here has a rarer but sufficiently attested meaning to overcome, to overpower. And so we see that not only did the darkness not comprehend the light, the darkness did not overcome the light. He says that's what's required here in this text. The light is shining in the darkness, and the darkness was unable to overcome the light. He goes on to give us a technical understanding. He says the aorist tense of the verb overcome uh, is unexpected. We would have anticipated a present tense, giving it a timeless truth. In other words, we might expect it to say the darkness cannot or does not, but it says it did not. It's a past tense thing. He says the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. The most natural way for us to understand this aorist is to see it as one single occasion. It may be that we would understand it of creation, the subject of, of uh, the present passage where the life right, created all of this. The light is triumphed and the, the darkness cannot overcome it. Some discern a reference to the fall of man here. Perhaps more likely, it is a reference to Calvary. There the light and the darkness came into bitter, decisive conflict and the darkness could not prevail. Possibly John has both in mind. But here we have this truth that the darkness, the light shines into the darkness and the darkness did not and could not overcome, overpower it. What an incredible truth. We need to be mindful of Especially as we walk in a place of darkness today. No matter how dark the darkness becomes, it can never overcome the light. And so as we observe darkness all around us, remember, the darkness does not win this battle. The light always shines brighter in the darkness. This is tremendous encouragement to us as individuals as we walk through circumstances in our own individual lives that feel dark and discouraging. And there doesn't seem to be any hope, any light at the end of the tunnel. It doesn't seem like things are going in the right direction. And we don't know what to do. Remember, the darkness did not and cannot overcome the light. It's certainly encouraging for us as we look around in this world and the global problem and environment. And my understanding of the Bible is that things are going to get worse. <laughs> Many believe that we're living in the very last days, and we very well may be. But it really doesn't change anything. For us, because our hope is not in this world. Our hope is in the light who came to shine into the darkness. And we can continue looking to the light. And we can continue to allow that light to shine through us. So we see the light shines in the darkness. 
Second truth we see in verses 6 through 8 is that the light shines through a person. There came a man sent from God. His name was John. He came for a witness. To bear witness of the light that all might believe through him. He wasn't the light. But he came that he might bear witness of the light. John the Baptist came to be a witness. There are three truths about John as a witness that are also true about you and me as a witness. The first is a witness is sent from God. John was sent from God. He was called. And in his case, it was a very particular calling to go into the wilderness and proclaim repentance and point people to the One who was coming behind him. There are some today who are called particularly to go to a certain place, a certain nation, a certain people group. They're called to minister to certain age groups. They, they sense God's direction they, to go to children or to go to the elderly or to go to whomever and proclaim the truth of the light of the Gospel of Christ. I have a particular calling on my life, not just to serve God, but to serve God as a pastor. And so yes, there are certain people who are sent in that particular way, but all of us have been called and sent by God to be a witness for Christ. What is a witness, you wonder? A witness points people to God. That's what John did. He came for a witness that he might bear witness of the light. He might point people to the light. He said, there's one coming after me of whose sandals I am unworthy to untie. Some of his disciples were looking to him and saying, are you the one? He said, no, not me. There's one coming after me. He must increase. I must decrease. A witness points people to God. In our world, we talk about a witness in the courtroom. A witness takes the stand. And what is a witness to do? They're to bear testimony to the truth. A witness to an accident comes and says, this is what I observed. This is what I saw. This is what happened from my perspective. Here's what I saw, what I heard, what I experienced. Here's what I know. And they tell the truth. Character witness, again, comes and says, here's what I know about this person. My experience tells me this person is, has this kind of character. We're to do the very same thing as a witness for Christ. You don't have to know the whole Bible to witness for Jesus. You don't need to know uh, every answer to every question people have. You don't need to understand every theological uh, point and, and, and discussion to the nth degree. You just need to know that Jesus made a difference in your life. And if Jesus has impacted you, you have an experience, a story to share. You have truth to proclaim. If He hasn't made a difference in your life, then you got some serious questions to ask yourself about where you stand with God. A 
and the purpose for God sending us is that we might bear witness. And what are we to do with that witness? What's the purpose of that? We see the third observation is people believe in God through witness. You believed in Christ because somebody told you the truth about Jesus. Either you heard it from, from a, a sermon or a, a teaching of some kind in a, in a public setting or somebody personally talked to you about who Jesus is, about your need for a Savior because of sin and where you're going to be if you do not know Him and what will happen if you come to know Him and, and what it means to have a relationship with God. They may not have all happened in one place, in one time, but you have had people speak into your life, witness of the truth of the gospel, and so you believed. The purpose of bearing witness is that all might believe through Him. Verse 7. Now we know not all will believe. Not all believe through John. Some thought he was a, a wacko. Living out in the wilderness, in the desert, with, with uh, you know, rough clothing and eating honey and, and, and locusts. Crazy guy. He came to witness of the light that all might believe through him. He couldn't make people believe any more than you and I can. That's not our job. Responsibility. Is to make him known, to point people to him, to tell the truth, to be compelling witness. To let the truth about what Christ has done in your life be evident. And let me let me give you a little secret. That does not look like pretending to have it all together so that you can show people what it's supposed to look like to be a Christian. Nobody relates to that. In fact, they look and say, I can't do it. That's not me. I can never do that, so I might as well just give up now. Being a witness is, is that we are genuine and authentically allowing people to get to know us with all the warts, with all the, the problems, so that they see, oh, I don't have to be perfect because... There's one who was perfect on my behalf. And it's because of Him that I can be a child of God. Just as this other person who who's doesn't have it all together. But they know something and someone that I don't. And if I can get to know that one, I can have forgiveness and eternal life as well. So we need to be real. We need, to be, we need to invite people into our life. We need, to, we need to let people get close enough to see that we're not perfect. We don't have it all together, but we are in relationship with the one who does. And that's what makes the difference. And that's why we're not the same person today that we were last year. Because He's making a difference in our life. He's actually changing us. And so the light shines through a person, through people, and that's you and me. 
We are to be His witnesses. And then thirdly, we see the light shines into the world. Jesus is the true light, verse 9, which coming into the world enlightens every man. That doesn't mean that, uh, that everyone gets saved. It means that He is the one who enlightens every person to be saved. He's the general illumination. They need to know Him in order to be enlightened, in order to be saved. He came into the world In order for us to be a witness, we've got to go into the world. It's a lot easier for me to stand here and, and proclaim the truth to you because, for the most part, you agree with me. Right? I'm among friends. I'm among people who agree. It's easier to talk about this among us. But we're not called to be a witness to each other necessarily. Although we, we are in one sense. Jesus encouraged each other. But we are to be a witness to the world. Jesus came into the world. The world of darkness. The world of thinking that is very different than Him. We need to take the light there. Where we are, among the people God has put in our midst, shine the light to them into the world well you would think that if the if the scenario is that the if you're a good witness people will respond to you then the better witness we are the more people will respond well here we have the the perfect witness Jesus came into the world and yet what happened his own did not receive him. So in a, in a twisted way, that's kind of encouraging to us to know that just because people don't believe doesn't mean there's something wrong with us and our witness. See, his own did not receive him. The Jews themselves, Jesus came in the in the flesh as a Jew. And the Jews did not receive Him. They didn't know Him. They didn't recognize Him as the light. As who He is. Therefore, they didn't receive Him as their Savior. As their Messiah and their King. But everybody will believe through our witness. In fact, they hated Him. Some people may not like us very much either. You know, I, I was thinking about this. Um, again, I, I enjoy doing certain things. I enjoy playing golf. Some people think that's really stupid. Some people think, who would spend hours to go out and hit a little white ball around? Pay money to do that and then chase that ball. And then get it in a little hole. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. I don't care. I'm going to keep doing it. And I'm going to keep talking about it. Because I don't care if you think I'm weird for doing that. Why do I care if you think I'm weird for following Jesus? Why should I care? When I want to talk about the one thing beyond anything else in this world that really matters. 
I'm not making somebody else like golf. I'm not making them do anything. I'm just talking about it. I'm not making somebody believe in Jesus. I'm not making somebody love Jesus. But I want to talk about it because I love him. I'm not ashamed to tell people who my wife is. My kids. Well, some of them. But uh, no. Just, just kidding. I'm happy to do that. I'm proud to do that. Why is it so hard for us? Again, I know it is. I know there's a difference there. But I think it's important for us to, to process that and say, I am called to be a witness in this world where they don't believe, where they don't receive. But that doesn't mean that it's not something I should be doing. This is the most important thing in the world. Because if they don't believe, they're going to spend eternity separated from God in a place of torment. A place where Jesus says the, the worm right, uh, does not, uh, is not quenched, or the, the, the worm does not die, and, and their thirst is not quenched. It's a place of, of fire. It's a place of torment. It's a place of darkness. It's a place completely separated from God. People think that it's going to be a big party because they don't have to worry about all these Christians uh, making them feel bad about themselves. They'll just have a good time with all their friends. Guess what? It's a place of complete darkness and separation. It's a place called the lake of fire. Hades. Hell. It's a real place that people will go who do not receive Jesus. And it's our responsibility to make the truth known so they have an opportunity. We can do that without, without pushing it in their face, but we ought to make it known. We ought to let the light shine. But you see, as Jesus said in John 3, people hate the light. Because the light is uncomfortable to them. You and I know this in the physical world. Right? You get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and have to go to the bathroom. And you're stumbling around, you know, in the darkness. And you go and you flip on the bathroom light. And you're like, oh, man, that hurts. Right? The light hurts our eyes. Because we've become accustomed to the darkness. The light shines into our eyes and it hurts our eyes. That's how the truth is to those who continue to live in the darkness. It hurts. They don't want to see it. Because it makes them feel like they should feel. Like a sinner who needs to be rescued from our sin. That doesn't mean that the light is wrong. So we... We need to go. Here's the good news. Verse 12 says, but. And that's a pretty big but. But. And even though those who are zoned did not receive Him. But as many as received Him. To them He gave the right to become children of God. Many have received Him. To receive means to believe. He says, even those who believe in His name. 
He gives them the right to become children of God. We don't have the right. We don't earn the right. He gives us the right. The privilege to become part of His family. It's a gift. And then He says, here are ways you don't get it. Not born of, of blood. You don't get it naturally from your parents. The Jews thought that because they were Jews, the chosen people, that they automatically got in. They automatically were children of God because they were sons and daughters of Abraham. And it's very clear throughout the Scripture that's not the case. Every individual is responsible to respond to God's Savior, Jesus Christ. So it does not come through natural means either through physical birth of, born of, of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. It doesn't come through our actions. And we can't be good enough. We can't be religious enough. It only comes from God. It's a gift. And it's received by our faith, our belief in Christ. Jesus, verse 14 reminds, Jesus came into this world and He walked in our midst in human flesh. And He displayed His glory. He is full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. What a beautiful picture of our God. Grace and truth. He's not just truth. He's also grace. He's not just grace. He is also truth. The truth is that apart from Him, we're doomed and on our way to hell. But because of Him, His grace... He took the punishment we deserved and He paid it. And He offers us what we don't deserve. Life. And we receive that life through trusting in Jesus. Jesus is the true light that came into the world to shine the light of the truth into the darkness of man's sinful heart. When we see that light, it may hurt at first. But it is the truth that we need to see so that we don't continue to stumble in the darkness and spend all of our eternity in darkness separated from God. But instead, we will come into the light and we will walk in the light as He is in the light and we will enter into one day the glory of our God. And spend all of eternity as His children in His presence enjoying the inheritance that He has purchased for us. Glory be to God. Let's pray. Father, it is our privilege this morning to, to consider Jesus, the light of men, who came into the darkness shines that light into this darkness. He came into this world.
And he has saved us from our sin. Oh Lord, now may we bear witness to the light. Where we go. Where you send us, Lord. Many of us are sent into workplace. Into our community. Into our neighborhoods. To our own families. And we are to bear witness of the light to whomever we are in contact with. That they might believe in Christ. Because your light shines through us. And God, I pray for the person who may be hearing this today. That says, that's what I need. God, that they would come to you in humility, in brokenness, in their sin, and lay their sin at your feet. Accept the forgiveness that is found only in Jesus through putting their faith in Christ. Lord, I pray for the believers, each of us, that we might consider what does it mean for me that Christ has called me and sent me. What does it look like to bear witness of the light where I am? How do I tell the truth of what I know, what I've seen, what I've experienced? God, help us with that. That you might be glorified in our lives and through our lives as we embrace the light and shine it brightly in a dark and perverted generation until you come. For it's in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.